machst du, Jojo? Ja, top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Was? Of course you can. Aber dann kommst du. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books. Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hitler, I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Jews can read each other's minds? But how would you know if you saw one? They could look just like us. Hi. <coughs> you know what I am? Sit. A Jew. Gesundheit. Football kind of got big, like proper big, when the yeah. death penalty was taken away. So do you think it's a... It's, so everyone's anger has just gone somewhere else. Hello, and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chris and Jackson from Chris Riley History and History with Jackson. We shall be reviewing the 2019 film Jojo Rabbit, a World War II satire that follows a lonely German boy named Jojo whose worldview is turned upside down when he discovers his single mother is hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic, aided only by his idiotic friend, Adolf Hitler. Before we start, I wanted just to say a huge congratulations to you both. Jackson, on your dissertation, BBC Radio interview and launch of the History with Jackson podcast. Also, a huge congratulations to Chris and the team of the release of the second edition of the Historian's Magazine that is now in print form, plus the continued work at thehistorycorner.org, as well as ploughing on with your history degree. Jojo Rabbit is a film that I've seen in the cinema three times, and I recently rewatched it and still love it. For me, it took a very grim topic and spun it on its head. It's no way predictable, though, it 100% shocked me in places, and I even remember gasping once in the cinema aloud. Overall, what do we think of this film? Christopher. Um, first of all, thank you for being so kind um, about me in your intro. It's very nice of you. Um, <clears throat> I really like this film. Uh, obviously, the, the reason we're doing this is because we reviewed uh, The Death of Stalin, which I think is kind of similar Humour-wise, it's, it's obviously a different type of humour, but I kind of put them in the same category of taking a quite a, well, I say quite very dark subject matter and, and, and just making it digestible in a different way. I, I really like this film. Good. Jackson? Yeah, I think for me, it's definitely one of my favourite movies. I really enjoyed watching it, um, especially as it's within that area I specialise in. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, unlike you, I gasped in the cinema as well. And also, thank you very much for being very, very kind to me uh, in your little intro. You're welcome. You're both smashing it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be on the BBC. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me be on the BBC, please. Um, but alas, maybe one day the BBC will pick this up. Um, I think you're my, uh, you're my direct link to fame, Jackson. I've decided this. <laughs> Um, yeah, you got to book me now. 
How have I? Have I now? Is, oh, that, yeah. is that how it works? Um, have you got an agent yet? Yeah, it's oh, me. Yeah, Zed list. <laughs> it's yeah, Chris. It's Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be brilliant. Um, so, like always, we'll start uh, at the the beginning of this film. Um, wh- I, when I went to see it, I don't know kind of really what I was going to see. Um, the The trailer is very... Uh, it's just a mishmash. Like, you think you're going to go see a comedy, but then it gets really dark. Um, but that that first scene is... I mean, the boy in who who is the main character, Jojo, like, instantly grabs your attention. Well, he did for mm. me, anyway. Um, if, I, I'm doing this all from memory, by the way. I have... I, I, I wanted to do it that way on purpose. Um, yeah. Because uh, it's such a good film, and it has stuck hopefully correctly in my memory. So (laughs) (laughs) he starts off uh, in his bedroom, I believe. It's uh, around um, uh, 19, well, between 1939 and 1945 in Germany. Um, He is, uh, the main character is obviously uh, in the Hitler Youth um, and he's got an imaginary friend that is Adolf Hitler. it's got loads of popular um, uh, music in it that you'll recognise. Um, obviously, uh, they've 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 put some some German spin on it. So so a lot of the popular songs. So there's David Bowie in there, the hero song, which is uh, but in German. Um, there's the song that was in Shrek, who I can't for the life of me remember what it was called. Something about fairy tales. Uh, I know which song you mean. Because Shrek and Shrek 2 have some of the best soundtracks in cinema history. Mm, absolutely. Um, no question. Mm. Yeah. But that song's in German, anyway. And I believe, in the first scene, he, um, he's, he's chatting to Hitler. And then he's, um, he's running down the street um, just saying, Heil Hitler, to everyone. But in a really funny way. It's, it's kind of quite cute because he's like a, a really innocent young man. Well, boy. Mm. Um, what what did you guys think of the the opening scene? Start with Chris. Yeah, I think I think it's a really obviously we're, we're going to talk more about the darker side of this film, but let's take it as on face value at the moment, which is a comedy. I think it, it is very very funny. It's very difficult, I think, to make Hitler funny, and I don't think that's a sentence I've ever said out loud before. Um, but to have um, Taika Waititi, who obviously directs the film, play play Adolf Hitler as this kind of bumbling buffoon uh, imaginary friend of this kind of like 10 year old Hitler youth member. It's uh, I don't know how anybody would have sold that to a, uh, to a, a production company, but Hey, I'm, I'm really glad that they did. Um, I really like the fact, and you've kind of alluded to it, the fact that it's a very childish scene, like for a lot of the start of the film, it's, it's, it's quite childish from, from Jojo's point of view. Um, but like you said, um, Roman Griffiths Davis, who plays Jojo, he's, 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 he's a wicked little actor to yeah. say he's, a, he's, he's probably only just a teenager now, two, three he's, years later. He's 14 now. Yeah. He's so endearing. He's a, he's a charming little dude, even though he's dressed in his little brown shirt. Like the fact that he's skipping down the street, Heil Hitlering everybody, it's, it's, it's wicked. I think it's great. Yeah. What about you, Jackson? I, th- I think for this first scene, I, I, I remember actually laughing out loud in the cinema. <laughs> uh, 
It's, it's, it's so just, funny. It's just so comical. And like you said, Chris, the the actor, he is absolutely phenomenal. He really just accurately like portrays all of it. And I know mm. the kids the kids in Germany were like really quite indoctrinated in the Heil Hitler was part of their everyday life. But the it sounds it looks and sounds so weird to us now to have some little child just so happily skipping down the street, <laughs> moving his arms up and down. It's brilliant. Mm. I just loved it. It's a yeah. hilarious scene. I mean, I, I, I think that to to me, without getting I mean, I did film studies, so I tend to like look at things like not just at face value. So underneath it all, so the the majority of people who attended the the Hitler Youth, they didn't know any different. Like that was mm. just normal to them. It's like we have scouts and we have um uh like other organizations that, that we just I don't know, like maypole dancing and stuff like that. We just like it's just normal to us. Mm. And for for a little boy of that age to sort of be going around saying Heil Hitler to everyone, well, all the adults did it, so why wouldn't he? Um, that and the innocence of that first scene, I think, was really poignant. Mm. Yeah, I, it's the I, safest place for him. Oh, sorry, Chris. No, I, I was just going to say I really like the fact that Hitler hypes him up. But mm. we know when he's getting ready, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know if I can, you know, I, I don't want to," kind of thing, and he's he's hyping him up. And it's just so funny them watching them shout Heil Hitler at each other yeah. um, before he before he runs out the door skipping down the street. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So so Roman, the the boy that plays um, Jojo, is um, he's got joint nationality. Uh, he's French and British, um, not German, <laughs> but he he does the accent very well. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think I think one thing I want to talk about is the accents because. As we mentioned in the Death of Stalin episode, if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend, obviously. Um, <laughs> starring us for you. <laughs> starring me um, and Jason Isaacs. Um, yeah, I think I like the fact that the accents are a little bit shit. They're a little bit comedy. It's like, ah, oh, Heil Hitler. Like, it's all kind of funny. Like, I like it that it's not like, no one's trying too hard to, to sound overly German. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a it's kind of like a British way. Of yeah, absolutely. What a German would sound like it's all that, um, oh, I don't know, sort of late forties into the fifties yeah. where people were proper ripping, slightly Hitler. quite campy, quite yeah, camp flamboyant. Germans. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what they what they what they do by by that is they mm. they discredit the power that these people had by mm. giving them sort of. Um, and this is no offence to anybody, but giving them the limp wrist and giving mm. them the um, the the campy uh, show business kind of accents. Yeah. It's like drag Germany. It's like drag Nazi <laughs> Germany. I mean, I would be which I so up again for that. would be would be would be up for that. Mm. That would that would change RuPaul's Drag Race, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, it would get it would go from like um, <sighs> prime time telly to like underground. The History Even Channel, like 2am. Yeah. Even Waiiti's, um, like, New Zealand accent is really, really quite strong, and I think it just made Hitler even funnier. <laughs> yeah. He just sounded like a, a Kiwi. Yeah, he probably likes rugby, but also is a passionately anti-Semite. Like, yeah, mm. it's uh, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
um, the it, it, it kind of the, the the first thing kind of builds up to when they uh, all the kids are going to uh, camp. Uh, they're going to Hitler Hitler camp, and um, it's got that lady in it. What is her name? She, Rebel, Wilson. Rebel Wilson. That's it. So normally, I don't really like her. I must admit, I just find her very uh, typecast and slightly mm. irritating. But she's quite good in this, um, purely because it's it, again, it's going with that sort of slightly off accent. So she mm. is one of the. Um, uh, camp leaders i guess i would say there or she's a camp helper out there um and there's a line where she says um it's about burning the books and it had me in stitches it's just the way that she did it they're like come on kids should we burn the books and they're like hurrah <laughs> like um, it's so nonchalant isn't it about all the like when they're talking about the like jewish anatomy and things quite quite heavy topics and quite uh, Obviously, it's satirical, but it, it happened. This kind of stuff happened, and you know, burning of the books and things like that. And mm. they take they do it in a way that it's like it, it does make it like you know, the scouts or girl guides or whatever, where it's mm-hmm. like, that- come on, children, let's talk about the Jew. And it's like, wow, this is funny, but it's really quite serious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think as well that um, the. Uh, so, so I've been to the place in Berlin where one of the first burning of the books were. Um, mm. uh, a mass sort of stash of books came out of the library there, um, and I've stood on the spot where it was, and, and you sit there and you're like, "Oh my god, this is this is absolutely mental." But then seeing it in this film, it just it, it just takes that weight off of it a little bit, being like, "This is ridiculous! Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, mm. were they yeah, thinking?" I, yeah, I think the movie actually does a really good job of showing, like, taking the power away away from the Nazis, but also not turn like not allowing someone to idolize it like it's it's quite easy to get that they're taking the piss out of them yeah. and that they're like taking the power away and you can't just sit there and go yes i love hitler mm. um don't don't clip that part please but, yeah. <laughs> I, that's gonna be in the promo now <laughs> <laughs> history that's of it. jackson never you'll never be able you'll to be yeah <laughs> um ruined I think on on the topic of of that and and the book burning specifically, I think one thing they do really well in this film is uh, very, very subtly capture Jojo's innocence and how easily it is as a 10-year-old, as we've all been, unless you're nine years old listening to this, then you probably shouldn't be listening to this. Um, (laughs) You've got bad parents. Yeah, or great parents. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) there's a scene where there's like a little bit of a montage where Rebel Wilson's character is joyously throwing books on a fire with all the kids and Jojo's looking kind of, uh, like, confused, a little bit, like, melancholic. And then he realises that everybody's having a good time, and he's like, well, I guess I've got to have a good time. And I think that's quite reminiscent of being a child, and you don't really know what's going on. Mm. But, like, everybody around you is enjoying yourself, so you just start laughing and, you know, like, ah, this is the best thing ever. And I think it, there's several times in this film where it's like, you can see the indoctrination happening over and over and over again, and it, it does it in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. But and it's very, very intelligent. I mean, the development of his own personality there, because yeah. again, around about that age is when we kind of start to form our own opinions. Because um, like before then, you kind of your parents just keep you alive, like that's, yeah. <laughs> and you tend to have very similar um, uh, opinions to your parents, just because you don't know any different. You mm. just, um, well, 
my mum does this, so I'm always going to do this. And then you get older and then you start to question things. That's like, mm. I mean, that's why the teenage years for most people are just horrendous. Mm. <laughs> um, so you, but you can see that. You can see that sort of innocence sort of ticking over and being like, oh, hold on, wait, what's what's happening? Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> what are we doing? I th- <laughs> yeah, I think a powerful thing in that, like that book burning bit is the captain behind him. You know, you've got... You've got Jojo going through all that cognitive dissonance where he's not entirely sure what he should do and shouldn't do. But then you've got the captain right behind him who you can quite clearly tell doesn't approve of anything that's going on at this point. Mm. So it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kind of doing it because you kind of have to. <laughs> um, basically. I think uh, the captain's one of my favourite characters throughout. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, Sam Rockwell does a really good job of playing the kind of disinterested, alcoholic, like, ex-Nazi that can't quite get out yet. I think, yeah, there's there's lots of great moments in the film. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's quality. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, there's this whole um, uh, section where they're at camp and there's... Um, uh, there's some sort of like older boys, like I, like I like to call them like the bully boys, the guys that kind of think they're in charge. They're a little bit older. Um, they're kind of nearer to to adult age, I guess. And they kind of bully the younger kids, um, like would probably happen in Scouts. Um, I mean, I never really went to Scouts or anything. I don't know if you guys did, but um, I assume that's what happened. Yeah, I did scouts. Uh, for the most part, mine was mine was pretty chill. But I, I think it's just wherever you go as a kid, uh, you definitely seem to. There's a hierarchy, mm. and that you don't kind of break out to, out of until you probably go to university or work for the first time, where age stops being important. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the scene with the, the the two kind of older lads that are like picking on on Jojo and the, and the younger ones are, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, I think it's quite an important part of the film. I think, it, it, I mean, it's probably supposed to be a little bit more important than it actually is. Um, but it's, it's funny nonetheless. It's funny. When they throw a knife and it ends up going in. No, <laughs> it's, it's not them, is it? It's actually the young boys that they like, give them weapons and stuff, don't they? Yes. Like off you go, just, here's some weapons. Like you would never give like a 10 year old, like a, a kitchen knife or something, would you? Like, but they're just like, right. They're preparing them ultimately, aren't they? To, yeah. uh, like, to join the army later on when they're older. Yeah, it's like the conversation in the tent. They're like, oh, if you, if you found a Jew, what would you do? And they're like, kill it and bring it to Hitler. and We'd be best friends. Mm. It's kind of like that like corruption where they're like, oh yeah, I'm happy to kill, but I still want to be best friends with him. That'd be, that'd be it's, nice. It's still childish, even though it's laced with all this horrendous doctrine. And, you know, I think one thing that's quite funny, not quite funny, quite quite sad in this scene is when when Sam Rockwell's character is is talking to them and is like, um, right, the boys will learn war games, grenade throwing, you know, knife stabbing or whatever. And then it's like, and the girls will be taught how to uh, tend wombs and be taught how to get pregnant. And obviously that's quite poignant but in the fact that that is what you know 1930s and 40s Germany was like you know obviously women would be given medals for producing you know broods of Aryan children um and I think that's what kind of Rebel Wilson's character symbolizes is this strong Aryan German woman that embodies all of these 
ideals of, you know, the blonde hair, the wide hips, the militaristic kind of outlook, um, but in a really stupid, satirical way. Whilst we're talking about the camp scene, can we just take a minute to recognise Yorkie, who is Jojo's best friend? Oh, he is so brilliant. He manages to steal whatever scene he is in. No matter how big of a role he's it got, or any, every single thing that comes out of his mind, out of his mouth, is absolutely grade A quality. He's yeah. like laugh out loud funny. Yes, like, without he's brilliant. But he's so like there's just oh, I thought I was your best friend Jojo. It's just so In a, so yeah. nonchalant. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean it's a great and it's a great casting as well mm. the, between the two boys, especially them two. Um, I mean the casting in general is great. Um, but yeah, it, it just really works. And you're right, he does steal every single scene that he's in. Um, and like, because he's, I mean, he's a little bit dumpy, isn't he? Bless him. I mm. just want to like squeeze his cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, and I hate children normally. <laughs> FYI. So um, yeah, but he's he makes me laugh. I'd quite happily have him as like a, a nephew or a um, cousin or something. Be definitely not my own child, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> so as. Jojo has been told to kill this rabbit. Obviously, he doesn't want to. Um, he kind of he kind of runs off. He's scared. He doesn't want to kill a rabbit. And he sits down in the middle of the woods. Hitler kind of appears and he goes, oh, don't worry. You know, I love animals and rabbits are brave and they're quick. And, they're you know, it's a good thing to be called a rabbit because obviously Hitler's his imagination and his, his own opinion. So he's helping himself. And suddenly he like plucks up the courage and he... He runs back through the woods with Hitler, which is just comical. <laughs> and as they're, as they're pra- I think it's target practice or something, and the captain's, you know, showing them how to use a grenade. He's unpinned it, and Jojo Rabbit's just, or Jojo's just jumped, grabbed this grenade, thrown it, and it's bounced off a tree, <laughs> and, him, <laughs> and he's just basically blown himself up. Yes. And it is, yeah. it is my favourite scene in the whole movie. It's just so funny with is the this, relationship with Hitler. Is this because you promote abuse to children? Wow, you're really trying to sell Jackson down the river, aren't you? Christ. What's that? You love Hitler and hate children? <laughs> Somebody get the BBC on the line. Well, they're, they're probably not the right people to get on the line if we're talking about child abuse, are they? Really? <laughs> um, anyway. There goes, sorry. There goes your BBC show. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> uh, I'll cut that bit out. We're left. <laughs> um, so what happens after that? Remind me. So he, he, he in, he's in hospital. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So he's he's basically disfigured, and everyone keeps saying that he looks like a monster, and he looks horrible, and it literally is a slight limp and a couple of scars on his face. But because everyone's telling him, he uh, he has to believe it, and he has to start going to physio, and he can't do um, the Hitler Youth programs anymore. So I just, yeah, I think it was it was a funny scene yeah. that led led him to build close relationships with other people within the movie. Mm. But and I that's just... that's when we're introduced to his mother, isn't it? That's when she sort of comes in. Yes. Um, uh, the the film. Um, mm. Who is uh, Scarlett Johansson? Um, who I didn't realise when I first watched it, because um, she looks very different um, to what she normally does. Um, she plays her character very well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Dad's not on the scene. Is dad uh, is dad away or is he just not around? I can't remember. 
They it's make it seem like he's a sympathiser, he's fighting on another front. Mm. But it's, yeah. Yeah, it's implied that he's fighting, or was fighting, and, and was killed, or something. Because they, they refer to, the, the, the boys that bully him at camp refer to his dad as a coward. So I think it's something, obviously, they're, they're hinting at is quite well known about his dad. Um, but I think um, Scarlett Johansson plays his mum, Rosie, so well. I think she's probably my favourite character outside of Hitler. Weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> as as a... I don't know if Scarlett Johansson's got kids, but she acts very much like a normal mum, if mm. that makes sense. Like, yeah. the way that she kind of, you know, pokes fun at Jojo quite a lot through the film and but also trying to teach him, you know, important life lessons without also shattering his innocence. Because obviously there are spoilers that will come out of this, Mm, but not to give too much away, but her opinions differ slightly from from her son's and she doesn't stop that. And I think that's a very very maternal thing or a um, parental thing to do. So I think anyone who was a parent at that time who didn't necessarily... Who was living in Germany? Who didn't necessarily agree with what was happening, um, but kind of had to disagree silently mm. or on the sly, which you'll find out later on is kind of again spoiler what she was doing. Um, it it's really hard because you've got this expectation of teaching your children that actually the the Hitler Youth is 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 where you need to be, and it's a good thing, and and this is what's happening to the mother country, blah blah blah, but as a mother and as a human, I think it's really shit what's happening. Um, And I'm going to play my part, even if it's silently. Um, Mm. She's obviously torn between doing the best to teach her child how to be a good person, but also to save him. Um, Because there was no Sunday school. The Nazis got rid of Sunday school. Um, And if you're in the Boy Scouts, you basically got beaten up every time the Hitler Youth saw you. Mm. So... The safest, like the safest thing to do for him would be to put him in the Hitler Youth and to let him be indoctrinated because then nothing bad would happen to him, really. It was such a and then, horrible and decision. Yeah, such an awful decision to have to make. Like, do you sort of get your child to go into this idealistic world where um, uh, this fake ideology is kind of put upon them? Or do you allow them to become vulnerable and get beaten up? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's really hard. I'm, I think is I'm making this sound really serious. It's not. It is a serious film, but it's not a serious film. It is very funny. Mm. Um, I'm just my comparisons are obviously what was really happening at the time. They, they somehow managed to combine comedy and serious message quite a lot in this film and I think the relationship between uh, Jojo and his mother is is like an example of that mm. I think like you, like you've both just said about the, the the trade-off between essentially raising a good person and a good Nazi it's it's not a decision that any parent would probably want to make and you can kind of see that internal struggle throughout the film with with Rosie that it's it's playing on my mind through the whole thing and I'm sure it was you know, an issue for, you know, many, you know, hundreds and thousands of, of German parents uh, during the war. Because the Hitler Youth was not just, you know, we're comparing it to the Scouts, but it was way bigger than the Scouts as it probably ever been. It was, 
it was what you did as mm. a kid. Like, you know, oh, what are you doing at the week? Oh, it's Hitler Youth Camp. You yeah, know? It was the expectation. That, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we need to remember that 33% of the people voted for the Nazi party. It wasn't like a majority of Germany mm. were Nazis or were sympathisers. Mm. It's just that 33% of them yeah. thought that it was the best choice. Mm. And I think, again, I mean, I'm guilty of this as well, but when we, we talk about sort of the Nazi government, we, we quite often refer to them as Germans and Germany and stuff like that, but actually it's it's not. It is actually the Nazis. They're two separate things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm just as guilty for doing it um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll do it again at some point. But yeah, we've got to remember that it, it wasn't all German people. As we see in this film, it was definitely um, a minority that shouted very loud <laughs> um, uh, and then run their state by fear. Mm. Um, and you've got to remember as well, like a lot of people, when you look at a manifesto today, you don't look at a manifesto and go, I agree with every single point here. Germany was a coalition, uh, had coalition governments at that point and still does. People were looking at the manifesto and going, well, they'll be in coalition and these people will control them and they'll get rid of the bits that I don't like. So I'll vote for them because someone will moderate them. Someone will get rid of the anti-Semitism and the stuff that I don't like and mm. I'll get the bits that I do like. And alas, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it didn't happen. Absolutely. Mm. And yeah, I, I mean, as you like, nicely said, Chris, this it does a really good um, uh, combo of, of, of sort of reflecting the funny and the serious um, at the same time. Um, mm. So after this, we very shortly um, discover something in the attic. Does anyone want to explain what happens here? Yeah, I mean, I think we may have already mentioned it in the intro, but kind of the crux of the film is that Jojo finds that his mother has been hiding a Jewish girl called Elsa in the in the attic or loft, if you're from England. Um, and the Jojo discovers this girl and they have this kind of slapstick but back and forth argument about how she's not a human and then he ends up being like, oh, I need you to teach me everything about the Jewish race so I can essentially be a better Nazi. And, and she's a little bit older than him and, and she kind of takes advantage of his, of his childish nature. And eventually they kind of form this weird like brother-sister, you know, crush kind of relationship. And it's, uh, th- th- this for me is the, is the bit of the film that if you went to see as a comedy, you would, it would probably go over your head a little bit because this is the serious part of the film that is done in such a, such a cool way. I really, really appreciate what they did with these two mm. characters. And it turns... Like at mm. this point, doesn't it? I feel like that's where it kind of started to turn mm. into to to a serious film. Um, yeah, I mean, I I separate the film into like part like mentally into part one, mm. part two, mm. where part one's more of the comedy, um, which I, I, I won't give a part away what part two is yet. But then there's part two where you you see that you know that you know, that that's the dark part. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for a while, Jojo is, uh, he's not told his mum that he's discovered um, Elsa in the loft attic. Um, uh, So he kind of keeps it quiet. Um, But 
I think that you can see him sort of twig later on that actually his mum's like a really decent person. Like, mm. because of uh, the more he learns about the, the Jews and actually, oh, well, they're quite like us, aren't they? Like, I've never met a Jew before. This Jew's like very nice. And um, I don't really understand what the difference is, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the you, you can kind of see the, the, the maturity sort of developing in his brain. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the way he... To, oh, sorry, Chris, you go first. No, go for it, mate. Yeah, I think the way he... Uh, kind of... The way he approached it with... Because he's, he's got a job working for the party, po- uh, posting conscription letters and so on. The way he kind of approaches that issue with the people who work there, like the captain and Rebel Wilson's character and Alfie Allen's character. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way he approaches that is like, well what do I do if I see a Jew and so on? And it's not like, it's not like I found a Jew in my attic. It's like, well, what do, uh, what can I do? And then he's trying to provide himself with answers about what's the best thing to do, not what's the best thing a Nazi could do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think in what you've just described there, it, it shows that fundamentally he's just a kid and he's probably a good person. And even though he, he knows in his in his weird, twisted, swastika-filled heart that the Jew is the problem and, you know, this needs to be uprooted and removed from society, that realistically it's like, well, it's just a girl that lives in my attic who's, you know, from the same place I'm from, probably likes the same things I like. Sister's friend. Yeah, sister's friend as well, actually. That's a good point. Um, It's, yeah, it's... Yeah, he's the only character that has any kind of character development in this film, which is strange for a film that's like an hour and a half, two hours long. Um, but it's no knock on the writing or anything like that. He's, you see, I don't want to call it a coming of age film because it is, let's be honest, it is. Um, <laughs> but throughout the film and, and his relationship with Elsa, is it, is it changes from this Nazi and a Jewish girl to two people. It's, from the uh, same place, yeah. Yeah, who would just walk past each other in the street, mm-hmm. quite rightly, in in normal times. It's uh, yeah, they they do a really good job of of showing his thought process on how he changes from this, you know, this ten year old anti semite to a decent young kid. Yeah, I agree, and I think they do it. They do it so well. Um, there are scenes sort of following this sort of discovery of um, Elsa in the attic where Jojo and his mum are kind of spending a lot of time together. Um, it's just, it's not even anything significant. They're kind of out on the streets or they're, mm. they're, they're walking uh, along the, uh, the riverside and, and, and they're climbing on walls and just joking around like sort of that you would kind of do with, with your parents, I guess, when you're, you're younger. Um, but they keep focusing. Now I noticed this on the first, mm. um, on the first uh, go before I kind of knew what happened. They kept focusing on the mum's shoes, and yes. I was just like, "That's very odd. Like, why are they doing that? These shoes are significant. So, like, what's going to happen here?" Um, and then something does happen, and it's awful Mm. (laughs) um shoes are obviously quite a poignant thing uh uh, we've all seen um them all stacked up in um the the death camps um it was a very poignant where people were because leather was expensive 
Uh, people were basically told to take their shoes off and then they were either shot or gassed um, or other things happened to the people that owned those shoes. Um, so I kind of, even though I kind of knew what was coming, I didn't know what was coming. And this is where I did the gasp in the film uh, yeah. allowed yeah. <laughs> in front of everyone because I just was not expecting it. I mean, does anyone kind of want to take it from here and, and, and explain kind of what happened? Yeah, I, I did the same. Um, I gasped in the middle of the cinema. I was like, oh, God, and this is where I kind of see part two beginning. Um, so before, like, after whilst uh, Jojo's like hanging out with his mother, I kind of see it as the denazification of Jojo. Mm. Um, the Gestapo come into his house and kind of turn everything upside down. Um, they find, uh, they see Elsa and she manages to successfully, with the captain's help, kind of pass off as his sister with her, with his dead sister's identification papers. But obviously the Gestapo had found something in the house. So when Jojo's out doing his job, like delivering letters and putting up posters and just being a happy kid and walking back home, um, he walks past the gallows that are in the middle of the town. Um, and you see the same kind of level where his feet and or her feet and his head are kind of aligned. He kind of turns after he's been following a butterfly and finds his mum's shoes. Um, and he, that kind of sudden realisation that he's alone, um, that his mother's died. In a really like, dramatic yeah. way, publicly. Mm. And those shoes are the first thing you see. And then you see her hanging in the middle of the town square. Yeah. And that is when the gasp happened. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit harrowing, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, especially for, for someone of that age to lose a parent. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. I still have both my parents yeah. around. I know people that weren't so lucky or are not so lucky and have lost their parents young, and it is it's very traumatic. And to be right after such a funny scene with the Gestapo in the house as well, mm. really kind of like you're like, wow, that like that hit hard. I think with without knowing what happens afterwards, the the Gestapo scene is probably my favourite. I think it's the the introduction of Stephen Merchant as a Gestapo agent is unnecessarily funny because oh, anybody that's watched anything with Stephen Merchant in knows how funny and awkward this man is and the whole Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler scene where they have to salute each other each time. It's it's so funny and then gets very, very serious when, mm. like you said, they discover Elsa who who plays it off with the captain's help. I think with with the 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 the, the shoe scene with, with Jojo and his mother, the thing that I think was whether it was on purpose or not, the subtlety of the fact that they made no deal as a film out of the fact that his mother had been killed she was just yet another person mm. they never showed her face they never showed an up-close shot of her they just showed poor, poor jojo you know just crying at her feet casualty she, one yeah, of many she was just yet yet another you know casualty of the of the horrendous treatment of the german people under the regime definitely think that, definitely think that made it more poignant as well that mm. you don't actually see her Hanging, you just see the shoes. I think that was, you're like, oh wow, like, yeah. okay, I, I get it. Yeah, and it's so it's so cleverly done. Like the whole of this film is so cleverly done, um, for a topic that not many would approach, <laughs> um, 
without it's a juggling act because you don't want to offend anybody that was mm. uh, that was there that was real but it, it's definitely it's definitely taking the piss more out of the nazis yes than it is anything else um, yeah. Just how bloody ridiculous is all of this crap that they're doing? And, hit, and Hitler specifically as well. There's none of the, you know, there's a little bit of the Gestapo. There's a lot of taking the, like the Mick out of Hitler, but nothing about their atrocities. Which, like you, you said, like I think that's the more powerful part of the movie that they didn't feel the need to do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I in preparation for this, I watched a couple of reviews and things, and for the vast majority, people tend to agree with what we're saying, but. I watched one where, quite flippantly, the, the chap that was, was reviewing it saying that it's a bit of a disgrace that it didn't mention the Holocaust and it didn't mention all these things. And I'm like, I don't think it's necessary for this film to be impactful. Mm. Yes, it's a comedy, but also it shows the human side from a 10-year-old's point of view. Um, and I think that's not, that's not something you get very often. You know, usually no. if it's if it's war, especially the Second World War and the Nazis, it's usually very serious, very Hitler bad, allies good, nothing in between, no grey area, bad, 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 bad. In this, it's like, well, Hitler's a completely different person because Hitler's created by Jojo as this, you know, funny Kiwi Nazi. It's it's a completely different way of of like you said, Ollie, at the start about you know stripping the Nazis of this power that they have possessed for almost a century, this, this all-powerful force of, of pure hate. And it strips it down to this stupid ideology based on, based on, on nothing but superstition and, and weird science and, and pointless hate. And through, through the end of the film, as, as the, not to jump too, far, too fast forward, but as the, as the seriousness of the end of the war kind of comes to the, the this town or village or whatever that the film is set, you see the, again, the more serious side where you've got the Hitler youth fighting alongside the the kind of the over 50s that anybody that knows anything about the Battle of Berlin and things like that, the when the Russians were, you know, attacking Berlin and the suburbs, they weren't fighting the Wehrmacht or the SS. They were fighting old men and kids. Mm. The ones that couldn't go to the front in forty two and forty three, the so ones Dad's army kind of yeah. thing, but in yeah. in Germany with, with crude weaponry and you know the the Panzer Schreck rocket launcher and all this stuff. And I think whilst it's still quite funny at the end with the captain in his glorious uniform that he has made for himself, <laughs> I think it still does a very very good job of showing what it would have been like to be a ten year old kid watching the complete destruction of everything you know about society. Mm. Yeah. yeah, as well. And it's it, important. Oh, sorry. Ollie. No, you go, you go. Like, yeah, I think, I think it's important because when you look at like every history book pretty much and everything that's on TV about the world, like World War II and Nazi Germany, you know, you look, they look at the politics and they look at, you know, what happened. But there's a, there's a large neglect of what normal people did and, and what their lives were like you know if you look if not naturally if you think about what what was a 10 year old a young child's perception of the nazi regime most people go oh and frank's diary um mm. there's there's very little i love Anne frank sphere. like just or she'd be a b believer wouldn't she she is i mean oh, i don't know i mean i read yeah. i read it I don't know, a couple of years ago for the first time i never read it before and um 
I thought it was all going to be. Well, I thought it was. Th- th- so there was that obviously that serious side of it as well. But she had sass. Like she was funny as well. Mm. Like and yeah. you s- and 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 that comes across in her diary. Like she's just like, oh, my mom said this today, and oh, my dad said this, and it's just quite funny. Like because you're like, oh, like she's just like you or I. <laughs> there was there um, was yeah. normality. Yeah, it's not like oh, I hate this. I'm persecuted. It's normality first. Like you would like see as an everyday person uh-huh. in any regime. There's normality first, and then there's the political. Absolutely. Layer. <clears throat> I mean, I just wanted to go back to that. So you were talking about sort of nearer the end. They've got the battle of um, well, <laughs> the battle of Berlin and, and all this kind of stuff. So when I was in Berlin, I was walking around. Now I can't remember what it's called, but it's 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 this massive monument that kind of sits on uh, a roundabout and i think it's been moved several times i'm not sure that's the original location um mm. but i'm walking around it and i'm like well they've they've not kept this very very nice have they it's got chips in it everywhere so i'm walking around walking around and being like these look like bullet holes right so i did some more like research and it's when they they've kept them it's when the soviet union came in and people were shooting. Like they, they, there was a there was a gunfight basically around this monument, mm. and people were kind of using it to shield themselves. Yeah. Um, but it's just really interesting that that's still there, um, and they've deliberately not tried to touch it up. Yeah, I think I think it's that is as what you've just described is uh, important for for our generation and generations since the war to. It's very easy for us to be quite detached from it, even as three people that are, you know, very much into history and, you know, specifically, you know, certainly speaking for myself, the, the, the world wars. It's, it's a nice, not a nice reminder, but it's an important reminder. And again, I think somehow this film manages to pull it off as well um, in, in just the, like I said, the, the, humans, the human side and the human effect of, of the of the collapse of the Nazi re- Nazi regime, mm. and it's a great um, it's a great uh, film about social history as well. Mm. Um, yeah. We all we all learn history. We all get into history through the big names, the kings, the queens, the presidents, the um, the sort of elite of that time. But there were thousands of other people there <laughs> as well that that don't have a song written about them and don't have uh, books written about them. Um, mm. uh, Anne Frank being a great example, like she, because of her situation, is why her book became published and it became famous. And it was her dad's; he was the only sole surviving person from from that attic, and it was his pride and joy to kind of get this sort of out there. And he was like a man of the people, blah blah blah. Um, but otherwise, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have known about this. No, um, and I think it's incredible luck that we actually have like these these sources that we can actually look at mm. and see what people's lives were because even when the, like, the like we said um, last episode with the the death of Stalin, the the Soviet regime wasn't better than the um, the Nazi regime, and when they occupied parts of Germany, they were perhaps worse. Mm. Um, so to have these sources and to actually know what people's lives were like within these regimes is important and to have those bullet holes still in mm, and uh, and and these death camps still standing um, is a good way to educate people i mean i'm surprised anything 
came out of that war. Because if you look at the photos, especially of um, European cities, I mean, I know that uh, the UK got bombed quite heavily as well, but sort of the last final push was was very, right, let's just flatten it. Mm. And it was flattened. It's like amazing how France, oh. like France's story, yeah. despite that. Yeah, absolutely. So I was in Liverpool um, a couple of days ago, and I got pointed in the direction of a, uh, a bombed-out church. You may have seen it on my Instagram story. But it's just mad that, that it just one one night this was uh, this was a working big church that, that the local area kind of used. The next day it was completely ruined and flattened, and there was like there was no roof, there was no pews, there was no anything because it got bombed the hell out of. But they've kept it as a relic to remind us that this happened and the people of, of, of Liverpool, London, Birmingham, Coventry, Glasgow, all these places, as well as Germany um, and France, um, we've, we've stood to that, the ordinary people. It was mm. the big boys playing the politics and it was the, um, it was the, the, the poor, basically, that died in yeah. the industrial areas. Um, but anyway, I digress. That's very much a digression yeah. from Jojo Rabbit. But where I think are one we? area we looked yes. at? I think it was, um, I think the, I know not even for history, but just pure comical factor. The relationship between the captain and his lieutenant, yes, is oh, just brilliant. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it's just such a funny film, and it has no business being as funny as it is. Um, because of the subject matter. Again, I'll mention Yorkie, who is just such a good character. I think at the end of the film, there's two bits that he absolutely nails. Whether this kid even realises an actor, I don't know. He's that good, he probably doesn't even know. But it, I think it's even in the trailer where Jojo sees him and he's like, Yorkie, and he go, he drops the bazooka and it <laughs> blows up into a wall. That's quality, That's brilliant, just pure slapstick comedy. But the bit that I think is really funny is when they're talking about the Russians coming. And he says, there's nothing worse than the Russians. They, they eat babies and, and they'll sleep with your dog. And then just very nonchalant, he's like, yeah, let's go before they screw all our dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so, like the way kids talk about stuff, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just brilliant. And yeah. um, they do such a good job of taking a serious subject, completely discrediting Adolf Hitler, and his cult of personality that he's built. Oh, imagine if we had somebody that did an entire series on the cult of personality that we could, we could, we could show some videos on. Jackson, do oh, you know yeah, anybody? I wonder who did yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think they um, they do a wicked job of of completely tearing it down and building it back up as this absolute clown regime that it should be remembered as in the most serious way possible if that makes any sense mm, i agree yeah i agree and um yeah i i think it, it ends with that david bowie song that i was talking mm. about the heroes one but in germany um which in germany in german um which was actually uh, as a david bowie fan myself was actually written in uh berlin so there's a little fact for you oh. um yeah well some of bowie's best work came out of that house so whatever they were doing worked M more power to them yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely um so i mean i would love to see more films like satire mm. films by the same director doing this. well i i 
to anyone who's watching this and you two as well, uh, he did a movie called Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes. And I, I, I was pretty much crying. I've never seen laughter. it. Oh, it's hilarious. Is it? Also, Thor Ragnarok was directed by oh, yeah. um, Taika Waititi as well. And that is, even if you're not a Marvel fan, it's, yeah, it's the best Marvel film. I'll throw it out there. And it's purely because of the way it's just so funny. Is it the, is it still, is it the same four? What's his name? Chris Hemsworth. I think Waititi's like the Champions League of, of directors, really. I yeah. think he's, yeah. he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Every, every, every film is just top bins every time. It's I'm, just... I'm definitely going to check out some more of his work, for sure. Um, so, right, it, we're, we're at that time where we, we shall rate said film. Um, I'm going to start. So it's out of ten. Ten being the best, one being the worst. Or, Chris, your rating system. Well, ten being the best and one being Robin Hood featuring um, <laughs> Russell Crowe, which I still stand by the w- being the worst film I've ever watched, bar none. I'm going to just send you clips on WhatsApp now. Of, um... <laughs> the amount of people that, since listening to this, have, have messaged me saying, I'd love to see you review it. I'm like, no, I, I've categorically refused to no. ever have to watch that film, <laughs> even for a semi-professional reason. Because all it, all it will be is I'll be like, what do you think of this film? You'll be like, shit, Awful. done. Awful. <laughs> um, right, so uh, uh, <laughs> what, would you, what would you give this, Chris? What, what did I give Death of Stalin? I think I gave that a 9 out of 10, didn't I? You did. Yeah. I feel like I can't give this anything less than an 8 out of 10. I feel like 9 is very, very generous, and I was maybe a little bit too generous with Death of Stalin. Well, this is why I, I went lower with Death of Stalin. I think I prefer this film. To Death of Stalin? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9.1 out of 10. Nine, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, 9.1. I need to make a note of these, don't I? So we can I'm, very, I'm, I'm very generous if a film makes me laugh. Okay, 9.1. I think that's fair. That's fair. What about you, Jackson? I think I gave Death a Starlet because I was annoyed with the uh, historical inaccuracies. I think I gave it a, <laughs> uh, I think I gave it a centre mid eight really. Um, so I'll give it a, a classic number nine. Uh, number nine, very good. And I think know, I went a lot lower than you guys. Yes, on. I went I about you did. six or seven, didn't okay. I? Yeah, CDM kind of number. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted manoeuvre. This is why I wanted. That's why I went lower because I wanted some room either side. So you've got to be able to, you know, ping the ball out a bit, haven't you? You know, spread it out and uh, you know, yeah. give those give those ratings about. Absolutely. So I am also <laughs> going to go for... <laughs> uh, have I missed a joke somewhere? Is there a joke <laughs> No, it's fine. What's, 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 your, what's your number, Ollie? What? I don't understand. What? Right, my number is nine. <laughs> so, oh, an Alan Shearer then. Like Firmino. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Are you talking yeah. sports? This is what we're talking about. <laughs> we, we've been maybe dropping sports references every single time we can. I think we both realised about ten minutes ago we hadn't done one, even though we'd already decided before this episode to do so. So we're um, just subtly just trying to... <laughs> just, just thumb in these, the Champions League of of this and the, the centre mid of that. And yeah, so 
Thank you for playing a part for that, Ollie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> have you been doing that the whole time? <laughs> Only the probably the last minutes, yeah. 10 minutes, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I was going to say, because I didn't get that reference at all. But um, whatever floats your boat, gentlemen, that's fine. Um, yeah, it completely would go ab- above my head. Um, yeah, I think it did for a while. That's yeah, I was just like, <laughs> why? I was like, why are you two laughing? I don't understand. <laughs> Um, it's, pro- it's probably only funny, funny for me and Jackson, but we, we were talking before the, the podcast about, just randomly about sport, and um, we were like, oh, we should, we should completely derail the podcast and just talk about football or something, and they were like, no, we'll just drop loads of subtle references in. <laughs> lads, lads, lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to do, do um, uh, so with Dan from Real Life Ghost Stories, he's going to give me a, uh, a lesson on the history of football. Oh, nice. um, so I've gi- I've given him a license to 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 talk sport on here. Um, oh, sick! Yeah. So I'm open for ideas as long as it's history based. Then throw them at me. Yeah. Well, I'm writing an essay on Cold War football right now, so that might. <laughs> Are you really? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a massive thing for yeah. Cold War. Mm. Strangely, but I'll take it. West Germany and Yugoslavia, like. All these oh, big sports nations, aren't they? That going for Hungary. They don't exist anymore. And Hungary, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> going for Hungary. Uh, oh, so I'm going for Budapest, Honved, Man United and Real Madrid. Big so. clash. Clash right. of the Titans. Right, big... no, no more sport. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Um, it is that time of the show where we can promote ourselves. I say we as in you two, as in the royal we. So, um, uh, Jackson, do you want to give us a lowdown of what you do, where people can find you, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, I am at History of Jackson on Instagram, at History with Jackson on Twitter, and then Facebook page is History of Jackson, and then my website is www.historyofjackson.com. .co.uk. Uh, I mainly just do YouTube videos every weekend uh, about talking about historical events, political events. Currently doing a series on popes, uh, good and bad popes, not just good popes. I realised that last weekend, so hence why I did a bad bad pope. Um, and then I also have a podcast where I interview historians about their books, about their recent articles and their specialisms. Um, and then I talk on my story on Instagram and basically just Slate Ollie and big up Chris. Really. <laughs> Christopher, what about you? Where can we find you and your work, etc.? Um, yes, you, you can find me at Chris Riley History on Instagram. Um, you can also find my website, which is www.historycorner.org. And you can find History Corner on Instagram at the History Corner blog. Um, across both all those platforms, we share articles on all types of history um as book reviews as well i personally will pretty much exclusively cover uh, medieval england but as you can see by today i'm a bit of a slut for history so i'll cover pretty much anything um we also have the historians magazine which i'm very very proud to be a part of um by the time this comes out we will almost be ready for edition three to come out. Mm. So I, um, I want to talk to you about the Historians yes. magazine. So um, it's in print form it as is. we speak. So um, edition two is yes. in uh, is in print form, um, and the is so beautifully put together. Um, I feel so. Mm. Congrats on Thank that you. to yeah. you and the team. And what's yeah, your well done. what's your title there? 
So uh, edition two is The Forgotten Women of History. Um, and edition three, I think I can share, because by the time this comes out, it will have all been announced. But it's essentially all around um, key events that have changed history. When is this going out, Ollie? Uh, Mid-June. Sweet. So things that we're going to cover uh, in this, we're going to cover the year 536, which is considered the worst year in history. Um, we also have some stuff on the Great Exhibition. Um, also the Muslim invasion and conquest of Spain. You know, these massive global events that mm. completely... Completely changed history. So a very, very big, broad edition will be coming out. So we've in spoken late about June. that were that worst year, haven't we? And that's when yes. the first plague yes. was um was around. See, I do learn and I do remember. Yeah. Um that's exciting. And the artwork is amazing um, mm. for the magazine. Yeah, there's uh, a wonderful set of people that I cannot remember all of their names right now, so I'm just gonna say a wonderful set of people. Um, you can find them on Instagram at the Historians Magazine if you would like to, you know, keep up to date and you know check for releases. If you want to get involved, obviously, um, send me a message and you know we can we can try and get you into an edition. Um, but yeah, the it's it's wicked to be part of something like that, especially in 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 physical form as well, because physical media is not something that is done very much anymore. So to have something with my face in it is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, and I, uh, I, I just, I, when you hear that someone's going to start a magazine, you're like, oh, it's going to be like a leaflet or something, but this is like proper. This is like a proper <laughs> magazine, and it, uh, it's just full of amazing content. So I would, um, I would ask anyone to go and read yes, it. I would as well. It's all driven by people who listen to these podcasts, interact with people on Instagram. It's kind of by historians for historians. Um, yeah, I've it's, got, it's, I've it's got a privilege. to say, I've got to say, the whole community is absolutely just fantastic, and the way that they've supported you guys with the historians magazine is absolutely mm. brilliant. I know, yeah, some, like, I've recognised some of the articles and people's specialisms, and I know they just do fantastic work. So, I mean, big up to everyone who's been involved, and big up to everyone who's um, you know, like publishing through it so yeah well done chris and well done to the team really yeah yeah i'll tell you uh, a funny story about man city so i used to work for a stewarding company up in uh, leeds when i lived there and um uh, we were doing this man city um tottenham match and it was at man city's ground it i mean i thought i was gonna die I, uh, so there was, there was me, two rows of seats to one side and two rows of seats to the other side. And the only thing between the the Tottenham fans and the Man City fans was me. You. Yeah. Go on. Fantastic. Big big away day at the Etihad. Oh, (laughs) and then uh, they were all shouting at each other and like throwing like, for some reason they throw pennies at each other. I was like, guys, you really need to stop doing that. And then. Just um, picking them up. I can just imagine you sat in and like, ooh, 20p. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uni. I needed every penny I could get. Um, and then, uh, so I parked my car quite far away because I couldn't get any parking. But it was in this really sort of like run-down, like rough area. And then um, we were driving, we're driving past and people are throwing bloody wheelie bins off the top of their high-rise um, flats. It was the most terrifying experience ever. <laughs> They, uh, the 
like, yeah, I love Man United. And you're like, have you ever been to Manchester? No. Well, what the fuck? Like, I don't get it. 